to the Gridiron Show and after another week off because I had to go to work instead of do the AFC North Show. We've got so much to talk about from around the league. Franchise tags being assigned left, right and centre. New deals being penned. Big name players being cut like two all pro running backs. So much to talk about. So we're just going to do all of that. This is the Gridiron Show. Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show. Will Gavin and Ollie Hunter in Dash Studio. Ollie, nice to see your little face. Yo, man. Yo. How you doing, buddy? I, I've, I'm all right. I've, I feel a bit bad. I feel very bad. Why do you feel bad? Because I've just been mean to someone in the office, and I didn't need to be, but I was kind of idle. I was a bit bored. <laughs> I was waiting for you for the internet to work. I was waiting for you to print some stuff out, and rather than have a go at you. I, I had to go at her. You know, she's half Scottish. She pretends to be Scottish. Plastic Scott. She's a plastic Scott. Why would anyone pretend to be Scottish? This is one of the things I said to her. Um, I was mean. You so were mean. Plastic Manx or plastic patrons. They're yeah, the worst. Yeah, they're the worst. Uh, you were mean to her. And what? I th- when was I mean to her? Well, you know when you were mean to her. She's had a haircut. Uh, and you were mean about that. And then I decided not to mention it, but just go on. Like some, I just carried on how mean you were. I just carried it on. <laughs> I, I wasn't mean at all. Just want to point this out to her face. At any point, was I not mean to her? You were mean to her face. So oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I really was, and I, I feel bad about it. Oh, I'm glad you feel bad about it, and hopefully this can act as a confessional for you. I might and go and apologise to her. I, don't do it right now, though, because we've been putting this off for about half an hour, and we really need to get on with the show. Yeah. Uh, it's Thursday morning. Uh, this is, of course, the Gridiron Show in association with our good friends at Touchdown Trips and the details of the Deep South Tour continue. Uh, teamed up with the guys there, visiting one of America's NFL and NCAA heartlands, the Deep south food people fans one of the best parts of the u.s and it's going to be a lot of fun while the final details can't be confirmed until the nfl schedule is released in mid-april the tour will be tailored to maximize both value and game action to ensure a thoroughly enjoyable time for everyone from the diehard to the more casual we're already very happily working with the louisiana office of tourism and putting together the trip and we confirm that the pelican state and the fabulous city of new orleans will definitely be featuring in the tour the price includes flights uh, round trip to the US and UK regional flights if needed hotels at least two NFL games but it all depends on so we'll do two Sundays but then if we can get to the Monday night game Thursday night game we'll do those as well two college games some Friday night lights as well we're going to try and get to a basketball game or a hockey game while we're there as well plenty of social action getting on some bars some local trips and tours a bit of shopping to a mall and then their little thing on their website says and if all that isn't enough you get the company of the Gridiron Show's Will Gavin and Ollie Hunter plus gridiron editor matt sherry who joins us on the line now hello matthew (laughs) so it's like i do this for a job Uh, why do you do that every time (laughs) (laughs) it's just boring the tour will take place in november following the conclusion of the international series games and we're targeting a cost of just two thousand pounds per person obviously if we do more games more trips the the price will 
be slightly more reflecting on that but we're going to do a lot of options on those trips so we're aiming to keep it to around that price very affordable get saving now and the big thing is if you go to touchdowntrips.com now you can put in your hundred pound fully refundable deposit so guarantee your place on the trip guarantee your space because there are limited numbers of spaces guarantee your place by putting down your hundred pound fully refundable deposit and if come april when the schedule's announced and we announce the full tour and figure it all out schedule turns out you can't go you're not down with the itinerary final pricing whatever it might be you can get a full refund on that touchdown trips just so you know is a member of apta and all our trips are at all protected I felt like we should put that legal stuff in there as well. Yeah, I've always wondered about Atoll. Yeah. <laughs> what does that stand for, Ollie? Uh, no idea. Isn't he Sven Joran Eriksson's agent? Atoll still. It's a little niche football reference for you. Please stop staring at me. Sherry, stop breathing. Uh, Matt Sherry, how are you, buddy? Trying to stop breathing. Uh, well, I don't actually stop breathing, but just, you know, hold the phone away from your mouth. Oh, it's so bleak, on the line. didn't it? <laughs> I'm doing that. Good. Good news. Uh, there's lots to us, for us to get to today. We kind of, we, never, we didn't do the AFC North show last week, because on the Friday when we were due to record, I got called into work, and as we discussed on the last show, I've basically been behaving like an unemployed person, but being paid. So when they asked me to actually come in and do some work, I felt I should come in and do it. So we will get round to the AFC North show, and we're going to do all of the other divisions that we haven't covered yet as well but with the combine looming this weekend with a lot of free agency and franchise tagging decisions already been made we're going to just basically go through all the big news stories from the last week comment on what they mean for the teams the league in general and then at the start of next week we'll do some combine reactions because whilst in terms of the draft class i don't think you learn a huge amount from the combine as a viewer like okay you get the 40 times and everything but the real learning stuff happens in the interviews and and in the medicals but what you do get is every coach gm owner whoever get going to a podium and doing press conferences so there'll be lots of news stories to react to and then you know we'll start our draft build up and we'll get back on the train of doing the divisions as well so don't you worry all those great interviews we got at the super bowl will come to you at some point soon but yeah we're going to do some news and some chat on this show we're also asked for some questions on twitter as well at gridiron but i probably put it out a little too close to the show so we maybe have one or two questions i don't know ollie Ollie, yeah, Ollie, feel like you're not paying any attention. No, no, I was paying full attention. Questions later. <laughs> you're like one of those men who pays no attention to their wife, and then as and when they. Oh, I did enjoy it. So yeah, me, and, that, me, yeah, me, yeah. me and Ollie went out on Friday night, and uh, we we went to Ultimate Power, which is well, Ollie, it was your first time. How did you experience Ultimate Power? I mean, wow, it's six hours of continuous power ballads. We were only in there for four of that, admittedly. It felt like six. Because we found a really good cocktail bar just up the road. That was good, wasn't it? It was two for £9.50 on lots of extravagant cocktails we were drinking. And by the way, guys, if you've not been to London, that's good value. Yeah, that is really good value. (laughs) Um, But Ollie Ollie took a photo of a couple who were sat at the table next to us who were sat on their phones, like having basically the worst date ever. And somebody did point out when you post that on Twitter, going, quick, take a photo and post it on Twitter. Like, well, obviously I'm not very good company if uh, Ollie needs to be on social media while we're out having a drink. Well, do you know what happened earlier today, earlier today, earlier this week, which I should have taken a picture of, but I just didn't. I was walking along, right? And just out of the sky fell a headless and necklace pigeon. What? Yeah. Just right out of the sky. Right in front of me. It, I would say 
two meters in front. If I'd have been, if I'd have left, I don't know, ten sec, no, uh, two seconds earlier, it would have hit me in the head. That's amazing. It was a headless, fully decapitated chicken. A fully, no, pigeon. No, pigeon. I don't know where a I got fully decapita- decapitated pigeon. Decapitated. It fell out of the sky right in front of me. It was, it was bizarre. And, then, and it's not like, the, it, it wasn't like it would have fallen just off a building. I was walking in the middle of the road. You know that road, uh, the, 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 the windiest road in Britain from Waterloo to... I know the, exactly. You road know that road there. there. You know when it was old Storm Doris last week? I tried to walk just yeah, from the yeah. Tesco to where you turn right to go towards work. And I genuinely, like, it genuinely took me about three minutes. Because, like, being a bigger-bodied gentleman... There's a uh, lot more you, wind for you to catch. You kind of act like a big sail. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was a, a struggle to lug my entire friend i thought about walking the other way just to to avoid having to walk into the wind but at the same time it's quite fun it is it, it was fun um hashtag storm doris but it just <laughs> it, it, there was nowhere it could have fallen from it, it just it just fell out of the sky and it wasn't there was no blood i really wish i'd taken a picture of it now actually i'm sorry for you were, it sounds like you were in shock i, I don't think i was i was not enough shock that i tweeted about it straight away but that's not the point Buddy, it's tough. Yeah, yeah. Tough. How are you, Matt Sherry? Yeah, I'm good. Nothing that exciting. I mean, what does it all mean, Ollie? Do <laughs> you know what? I've been asking that ever since. What? I really have. I really have. Um, I saw Ollie first thing at like 5.30 this morning as we were both arriving at work. Because <laughs> uh, yeah. he's doing breakfast as well. And uh, I-, I told him that I didn't see the football last night because I went to see Logan, which, by the way is incredible like uh, up there with the dark knight as my favorite comic book film oh wow um i need to see it again before i make such ridiculous statements but you it's already made the statement well all right sherry but it, it, like from first as the king of hyperbole you should understand this but from first viewing absolutely loved it um but i then proceeded to tell ollie again about three hours later because i'd kind of forgotten what i said to at five thirty in the morning ollie i went to see logan last night it was really good and he really angrily told me off for telling him the same thing twice so it's part you're a very angry man today ollie. Well, only like because it. i knew i'd hear it at least one more time on the pod and in fact you told abby i've told you about 15 times yeah, more uh, since because you reacted so angrily yeah and you were right to do so <laughs> you're right to do so um so what's been the biggest bit of nfl news that uh, that has come out from stateside will gavin let's do my big stack of papers because because i didn't know we were doing a show this morning it's all been a bit impromptu i've actually had to print off the stories in real life because i didn't have my laptop with me uh, so we're going to go through all the big deals and the franchise tag stuff's all very interesting we've got the kaepernick news that's come out overnight well, well can i just ask for those maybe me uh, for those uh, b- that may not know about the franchise tag maybe sherry you could answer me this franchise tag exclusive franchise tag what does it all mean it all means that the average out the top five salaries for the position and basically if you have a guy who's about to hit free agency he actually i think place it on anybody but it's obviously only ever done if a guys hitting free agency you can place the franchise tag on them. You have to pay them for one year the average of the top five salaries for the position. Um, that's for the first year. For years after that, it's more complicated. I think it's an extra 20% more than you paid last year. And basically. then 44% for the third year. Yeah, 44% for the third year, which means that if Kirk Cousins gets tagged a third time, they'd have to 
than $34 million for one year. Um, and then basically you get to keep them for that year unless a team signs them to an offer sheet and is willing to give up two first-round picks to you, in which case you could match the offer sheet and keep him or let him go for two first-round picks. Sherry's got it wrong already. No way! He has, t- he has talked about both the exclusive and non-exclusive tags there without differentiating between the two. No, I haven't. If you ex- You're out of order, mate. If you exclusively franchise tag someone... You have to pay five years, as of April that year of the five. No, one year of the five. Uh, the mean. Come on, the mate. Five highest earners of April that year, and people cannot take that person off you. If you do the non-exclusive, then you have to pay the average of the top five earners over the past five seasons, and somebody can deal you two first-round picks for them. They are two separate things. I didn't know that was true. That wow. yeah. There we so, go. See, so, it was worth us discussing this. So, Will, has anyone been which is why, exclusively franchise tag? So, so that's the difference between, say, what they've done with Le'Veon Bell, where Le'Veon Bell has been put on the exclusive franchise tag, earning him £12 million for this year, and nobody can do anything to touch that. If they'd gone for the non-exclusive, it would have only been £8 million because of the amount that weight have gone up over the last few years. And actually, Le'Veon Bell, you'd argue, is the kind of player who maybe... Because it's running back, it's unlikely, but maybe there's somebody out there who would think... Two first-rounders? Maybe. Yeah. Oh, Maybe. Yeah, that, is, that, that is true. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Thanks, buddy. I definitely didn't double-check and research it this morning to make it's, sure it's, before it's we very, talked about it. It's, well, I mean, unlike... I had no research time to explain <laughs> what it was. It's really thrown to the wolves there, wasn't Yeah, it? that but, was um, harsh. That was a little harsh. But we're going to get into all of those franchise tag players, exclusive and non-exclusive. But let's start off with the biggest... The biggest contract of the last week, and the biggest contract ever or given... non-contracts. What? I'm confused by that statement. Well, the biggest non-contract is the £18 million pounds that uh, would have been owed to Adrian Peterson, no? Oh, I was going with Antonio Brown first. Oh, fine, fine, yeah. Let's, go with, let's go with... <laughs> let's go with... Antonio Brown has become the highest-paid wide receiver in NFL history, a five-year deal worth $72 million, uh, an average of 17 a year. Uh, I think it's 42 guaranteed. It's pretty incredible money, but uh, this is... In terms of what the Steelers have done here, getting this move done so early in the window, particularly when they knew they were going to franchise tag Le'Veon Bell with all of his issues off the field, with the suspensions, with the injuries, I think they've played this absolutely perfectly because with this new cap space, and I think this is going to be true this entire free agency period, we saw it a little bit last year, particularly when you saw the free agents that the Giants picked up. It felt like those players were being massively overpaid last year. This year, you're going to see... There's still Odell Beckham needs to get his contract, but you are going to see guys like Kenny Stills, they're talking about getting $12 million a year because teams can afford that because there's more cap space than ever before on average across the league. This is going to be the year where if you've become a free agent this year, it's the most perfect possible time to do it. And I think in about... 12 months time we're going to look back and go 17 million a year for Antonio Brown that's an absolute bargain yeah and, and I wouldn't be surprised if Alshon Jeffrey quickly gets a deal that makes him the highest paid receiver which would indicate it is a good move by the Steelers because ultimately Alshon Jeffrey is nowhere near as consistent or as durable or, or as good as Antonio Brown so yeah I can see that happening the only thing I, I mean they, they had to tag Le'Veon Bell, but he is now getting paid $4 million a year more than any other running back in the league, which is... An, they, they need to do a, a long-term deal with him because that is... He is getting so much more money. And I agree, he's a bit of a transcendent player and the likes of 
Ezekiel Elliott and David Johnson will, will probably get up towards that when they come out as well, but he's still getting paid a lot more than the position. Yeah, absolutely. And and we t- kind of talked about this a little bit last week, how tight ends and, and safeties feel underpaid. Running backs still feel a little overpaid outside of these more transcendent talents. But, I mean, uh, the, when we talk about the amount of money that's available, because I think they they get a long-term deal done with Le'Veon Bell, and they may not do it this year. They may let him play under the tag this year and do it for next season, but because of those other issues off the field. But bringing up the other story Ollie talked about, Adrian Peterson to become a free agent after 10 years with the Minnesota Vikings. We're talking about a guy who was going to be 18 million against their cap. And at his age, and for what he's achieved over recent seasons, when you consider the injuries and everything else, it's an absolute insane amount of money. But yet, can you imagine a team paying Adrian Peterson, despite all those issues, $10 million a year? I think there'll be somebody out there who, with the cap space they've got, is willing to pay that sort of money even at his age. Uh, if they do, they're, they're idiots. I mean, there's just no evidence that he can stay healthy is the, in the last three years. There's no evidence that he's still the guy who rushed for 2,000 yards. I mean, There is it, no it, evidence. He, it was, one point, I think, 1.8 yards per carry last yeah, year. I, Ridiculous. The rule of free agency should be... <laughs> If the future, not for the past. And that's where so many teams get it wrong. You look at the Dolphins last year, side of Mario Williams, and you're paying guys for what they've done in the past. Uh, with running backs in particular as well, it's very rare that you see a running back have a renaissance when they've started to, to slide off the cliff. And you just think with Adrian Peterson, he, he would, if the Cowboys didn't have Ezekiel Elliott, he'd be perfect for them because the offensive line's still good and I think you'd get a great season out of him. But I think he needs to go to the exact right team to, to do anything. And, and even then, Maybe he isn't the guy he once was. I've, my money is on him being back at the Vikings in two months' time. I, I think he ends up back there on a much more team-friendly deal. They sign him to a one, two, one or two-year contract, which costs them $8 million a year, which is still paying well over the odds for him. But if there's a team where, considering they're still in that new stadium, considering Teddy Bridgewater hasn't come out of his rookie deal yet, considering there's, there's lots of reasons why that... They've got a lot of rookies who are still on the lower end of their, still on their rookie deal, so there's cap space for them to play with. And he is a selling point for that franchise. He's their biggest selling jersey over the past 10 years by a country mile. And, you know, they've moved into their new stadium. He barely got to see the field there. So you wouldn't be that shocked if that's where he ends back up. I don't buy, the Tampa Bay's been touted a lot. Um, I know that there's a lot of talk about them cutting Doug Martin with his suspension issues and the fact that they can do so with very little hit to themselves this year the Giants are another big one the Chiefs I understand the Chiefs because we're going to get on to talking about the Chiefs in a bit but Jamal Charles is leaving the Chiefs but then they've got a couple of running backs there who have done a decent job over the last couple of years I just I just don't it's a position where Adrian Peterson isn't a David Johnson he isn't a Le'Veon Bell he isn't a three down back who gives you like He's a guy who's never been that great in pass protection. He's never been that great at catching the ball out of the field. He's just been an unbelievable runner. But realistically, at this stage in his career, he's a two-down back. And it seems crazy to assign 5% of your cap to a guy who's only going to play for two of your offensive downs and might not be that good because of the injuries. And in reality, he's a one-down back if he rushes for 1.9 yards a carry because you're not running the ball on second and nine or second and eight. So, I mean... It just doesn't make any sense for anybody to give him a big deal. I mean, to me, Adrian Peterson is the kind of guy at this stage of his career who should be looking to sign for Green Bay, the Patriots, somebody like that, on a one-year, two million quid deal, see if you can wrap up your career with a Super Bowl ring. He's not a guy who... 
I mean, why would Tampa Bay get him when they could go and get Dalvin Cook in the draft, who is a, the ultimate consummate three-down back? He's young, you get him on a cheap deal, you get him back with James Winston. I guess the only worry is the fact that there are, there are rumours around him and his hometown of Miami, which wouldn't be far away and the people he hangs around with. But he's just one example of a guy in a loaded draft class. and. I just don't think Peterson makes sense for anybody. I don't think he makes sense for the Vikings at, at the numbers that they're talking because they need to just sort out their offensive line to have any chance next year. I don't think there's no point in them running behind a bad offensive line again. So, I, I mean, I could see the Giants maybe signing them, but there's, I, I would hope his market's small, but there's so much money around that it probably won't be. Uh, let's talk um, Kirk Cousins because we get, let's get into these other franchise tags because we, we mentioned Le'Veon Bell and what that means for, for him and for the Steelers but we kind of wanted to get around the running backs a bit more as well but Kirk Cousins gets the exclusive franchise tag I think we all expected it a one year salary of $24 million I mean it's high but for a franchise quarterback in this new cap situation is it that high obviously 34 million would be would be a ludicrous sum of money um but essentially this is as with many franchise tags an attempt to extend it so they can extend it and try and get the long-term deal done uh it's going to be interesting as well because two of his former coordinators and, and head coaches are now at other teams who arguably are both quarterback needy depending on how you feel about jared goff in la and there's a big part of me that thinks Kirk Cousins will be the starter in San Francisco in 2018. Okay, but... <laughs> Stunned silence from Matt Sherry. Yeah, well, I agree. But I'll, I'll let Ollie jump in. <laughs> so, on, under the exclusive, he has to play, or can only play with Washington this season, yeah? You can, you can hold out and to get a long-term deal done. You can choose not to sign the tag, but you can't play for anyone else and you won't earn any money. I think... It, it, I can see where you're coming from with, with Shanahan there because it gives him an extra year in Washington earning really, really good money. He gets a year for Shanahan to bed in in San Francisco and then he comes into a, pretty much a ready-made offense for him. And a better team. So uh, all round, it I think it's it works for everybody, Washington included. And I think if if the Forty ers know that that's something that's very much on the table, we'll get into talking about the quarterbacks and everything in this draft class post combine, and when we speak with Simon Clancy and everyone else. But there is no ready-made guy. That's what everyone is saying. And there's guys who like Mitch Trubisky looks like he would fit. Carl Shanahan's system, but with only 13 games in college level, how much do you trust that? Uh, Deshaun Watson has just no deep ball threat whatsoever from what we've seen so far. So there's so many issues with all of the different guys who are in there and available that if they know this is going to happen, the, the 49ers are only behind the Browns in terms of the number of picks they've got. And like the Browns, they haven't got so many at the top end of the draft because they haven't done the same wheeling and dealing. But it just means you know that with that second pick, you can go out and get a game-changing defensive player. You can go and get, you know, there's, there's corners, there's safeties, there's linemen, there's all over the place. And you don't need to then spend on your quarterback. And you can do the thing that everyone says you should do, which is find a base and then put your quarterback into it because it gives you the longer-term option. Um, I 
I, I mean, it, it would be the ideal situation for me as a 49ers fan if that was what's to happen. But from a, from a Washington perspective, we know they're losing Deshaun Jackson, Pierre Garçon. We know that they're losing elements of the defensive side of the ball as well. So $24 million on a quarterback who might not be here beyond this season. There's a real moment here of whether or not, if they don't get a long-term deal done, suddenly a Washington in rebuilding mode very, very quickly from having been a, a, an in and around the playoffs team the last two seasons. Yeah, but I mean, there are two options with it. And I mean, the X factor in this is, if you are projecting ahead to next year, is if Sam Darnold, the USC quarterback, comes out, he is going to be the, the best prospect since look probably in terms of the way people are going to look at look at him. He's, he's already one of the best college quarterbacks I've seen. Um, so at that point, you, you think to yourself, well, is is maybe you know what you're getting with Kirk Cousins, but is he that good? And I would expect that if they don't, get a quarterback this year, San Francisco, they're going to be picking number one overall next year, you would think. So then you create a situation where you basically choose between Darnold and Cousins. And I guess both teams potentially are because that Washington, I mean, I, I, it, no, they're probably not actually. You could probably you could probably get Cousins and still keep the first overall pick and then trade out of that, I guess. But I, I think there's going to be a lot in play next year. We we talk about this year's QB class not being great. Next year's could be absolutely amazing. So that that's in play as well. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, let's keep with the quarterback position for a moment because. We've had the announcement that Colin Kaepernick overnight is looking like he's going to opt out of his deal. I don't think that's any surprise to anyone. Uh, when they redid the deal back uh, earlier in the season when he became a starter again and he traded that injury guarantees money in order to get more starting guarantees and everything else, it was all set up to look like he was going to walk away. Fantastic in terms of the 49ers, considering how we, we talked at the time when this deal was first signed, how team-friendly it was. And it's only going to cost them $2.5 million in dead money over the next three years which considering you were paying a guy 16 17 million a year that's that like there's very little that Trent Bolke has left behind positive but that is one thing making sure that Colin Kaepernick doesn't cost them in a lot of dead money over the next three or four seasons I don't see anyone bringing in Colin Kaepernick as a reasonable starter in the NFL but are there any teams that would go all right we'll give you three or four million to be a, a a reasonable level backup and kick the tires because he had easily his best season since 2013 last year but there's still some real core issues which you feel like at this stage of his career are never going to get ironed out I think Denver's interesting isn't it they tried to trade from last year um, John Elway was hardly um, resounding in, in saying that he's only like the two young quarterbacks they've got but they were open to anything yesterday which to me suggests that maybe Denver are a little bit more in play for Tony Romo now than has previously been suggested so and well Elway's also said I think it was yesterday that he hasn't even looked at the quarterbacks in this year's draft class so you know, th- his eyes. They are don't firm- need another young guy. Exactly. So his eyes are firmly on what's already around in the NFL currently. Yeah, and I mean, the other team that would interest me is, is Hugh Jackson and, and the Browns again because I, I know they <laughs> tried- worked so well with RG three last season. Yeah, and that that, that kind of <laughs> is the caveat with it. But I, I do think I, I, I might be talking rubbish here, but I do remember at some point there being whispers of Hugh Jackson really liking Kaepernick coming out. And, and and that that could be a fit, but I mean, it, who knows at this point? I mean, it's uh, there are so many coaches around the NFL that would probably look at Colin Kaepernick and look at what he did early in his Forty Nineers career and think that they can they can replicate that. So I wouldn't be surprised if a team gives him a look, but 
Uh, I, I mean, the odds are against it, especially I think with with the political stuff, which sadly in the NFL stands as as noble as that one was often will work against you and I think that is another headache that teams don't want to deal with for a guy who already is marginal. Yeah, I mean, this is... My, my problem with that entire situation is that I... Uh, for the first time since the Super Bowl run, that was the first time where really I looked at Kaepernick and thought to myself, that's somebody I wouldn't mind being at my team because he's not someone who, when we've experienced him in the locker room, when you've seen him out on the field, he's not a big leadership guy, he's not a big rah-rah guy, he's not someone who people get behind in a big way, but actually what he did do was rally an entire team behind him with that. Like It was amazing just how many people at the 49ers were in support of it. He got the Len Eshmont Award from his teammates, which is an internal 49ers award for the most important and influential person in the locker room for last season, and they clearly were in support of it. So it was just frustrating that he waited until it needed to be something of that political nature which got him to show that he can be a good leader and a thinker and everything else because uh, it's just it's not a position where you can get away with being the quiet man the one who's gonna sit back and let it happen elsewhere like who else have we seen in the league who's not had great leadership skills as a quarterback and managed to maintain a high level of being a starter i mean you could argue argue that jay cutler has been a decent starter without being a good leader maybe but even then it's not really a it's not really a strong case yeah i agree with that thanks buddy how are you feeling about it ollie i uh, agree as well i agree as well I think, come on, start an argument, Ollie. Have a go at me. Just move on to the next one. Let's talk about uh, the rest of the franchise tagged players then and uh, kick off with the Chargers. Can can we not kick off with, can we say, uh, we will go through them, but can we kick off with with what everybody thinks is the easily the worst franchise tag that has been placed? And there's there's a very, very clear answer of what it should be. Oh, okay. I'm going to say Tremaine Johnson. Who do you think, Ollie? Um, uh, I don't have the franchise tags in front of me right now, so I, I couldn't tell you. Should kind of know them, Molly. Yeah, of course it's Tremaine Johnson. That is the most <laughs> ridiculous contract I, I've I, ever seen. I assumed it was, but it was just like, this is going to be one of those occasions where you say it and then you go, uh, yeah, Tremaine Johnson. So he signed with a non-exclusive tag because somebody's going to give two first round picks for him. That's the thing with a non-exclusive tag. It comes to you a little bit cheaper and... If you've got a guy that you know no one's going to bother trading two first-round picks for, then absolutely do it. Well, if um, you've got anybody who isn't a quarterback, I mean, nobody's trading for anybody outside of a quarterback, are they? Fair. Um, yeah, maybe a very good, like a no, real high-end pass rusher. I wouldn't even do it for JJ Watt. Yeah, see, that's what I was thinking. Someone like JJ Watt, maybe, but had to be a real game-changer. We all know that Tremaine Johnson is not a real game-changer. In fact... Last season, they made the decision, and I understood it, based on team reasons, based on what apparently Janoris Jenkins is like as a teammate and in the locker room. They had to pick between these two corners. They went with Tremaine Johnson. They ended up having to sign him to the uh, franchise tag because they couldn't get a long-term deal done. But $16.8 million next year. Easily the highest-paid cornerback right now. And, okay, we've got this kind of perfect storm where, actually, cornerback, there's a couple of really decent names coming out this year. AJ Bouye probably heading that list and you've got the most cap space ever so you wouldn't be that surprised to see someone like AJ Bouye have money absolutely thrown at him in fact I don't really know why the Texans with the amount of cap space they've got didn't franchise him themselves but Johnson never made a pro bowl never made an all pro team pretty solid cover corner but 
it doesn't ascend your defence to any particularly higher level. And this is a draft where, funnily enough, defensive backs are one of the very, very strong positions. Yeah, it's an incredibly good cornerback draft as well. And, I mean, he's just not even close to being worth that. And I, I really liked him last year because I think everybody looks at him as a guy who has the size and everything that you look for in a cornerback. But he's just never become the guy that we all think he could become. And, and to now pay him when he's still not become that haven't been paid last year is just ridiculous. Nobody was giving him anywhere near that much money on the open market. And if I'm him, I, I wouldn't even think about signing a long-term deal. Why would you? You'd take you'd near $17 million this year and then just accept that you could hit free agency again next year and get a contract more in the realms of realism. And, and I mean, it's just ludicrous, terrible stuff for for Les Snead after having kept that job. Like, you can't blame Jeff Fisher for that. That is just a ridiculous move. The most overpaid player in the league now, by a distance. And bringing in Wade Phillips, who is a guy who loves doing interesting stuff with his fronts, loves defensive backs that can blitz. Not something Tremaine Johnson's particularly well known for either. It's just it's just weird. I mean, honestly, I just couldn't believe it. I mean, he would have been a guy who would have been interesting for, for teams to target in free agency, but... He's not a guy you give 60... It's just crazy. I've never seen... Honestly, these people who make these decisions and get paid the money they do for it, it's just depressing. He's not even the best cornerback in San Diego. It's mad. In L.A.? In LA, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, this is this is a great stat for you, and you might have the news story in front of you, so you might be able to answer it. But since the franchise tag came in in 1993, only two cornerbacks have had back-to-back franchise tags: Tremaine Johnson and um, was it Ravis? Charles Woodson. Uh, well, yeah, that, that's the kind of that like you know from the Raiders in 2004 and 2005. That is an ascendant franchise-changing talent, Charles Woodson. Hall of, Hall of Future Hall of Fame. It's ridiculous. I mean, that I can say now with certainty, as much as I think Tremaine Johnson has potential that he's never fulfilled, he will not be a Hall of Fame. Let's talk about a player you do really like, Melvin Ingram. Yeah, brilliant. And, and I mean, honestly, I think that the, I'm delighted the Chargers did it because there was a lot of talk that they wouldn't. And I honestly think that the Chargers could be a sneaky Super Bowl contender next year if they if they if they avoid the bad luck with injuries and they solidify their O line with with Ingram and Bosa and Rivers as a guy who can still be a top eight to nine quarterback if he has a good day he had a bad year last year but you you think that if they can solidify the line they could be really good next year I'm glad they did that I think that I'm I'm sort of glad they did I, I think you'd have got a big deal on the open market and it would have been interesting to see that unfold but it makes so much sense for them to keep those two guys in place uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with the scheme with Melvin Ingram there because um, Gus Bradley very much a 4-3 guy been playing 3-4 in the past so do you turn Melvin Ingram into a, a hand in the dirt 4-3 defensive end with Joey Bosa on the other end rather than a yeah, sorry, fourteen rather like rather than a a guy plays on the outside of a three four. How do you kind of line that all up? Is going to be interesting to see, and that's why it almost makes sense if you're going to stick with Bradley longer term and you're going to change the scheme and you're going to try that out. Uh, franchise tagging him because you want to get a long term deal done because he's a brilliant player is one thing, but also when you've got a big scheme change like that, it's shown in the past, particularly with pass rushes, it's something that some can't handle the change. So it might end up that Melvin Ingram really doesn't fit your scheme this year, and he can go and get himself a huge contract next year, and you can continue to restock. But I'm with you, the Chargers. 
like I, I, it's why I think they'll be successful in LA because they've got the smaller stadium and I think they're going to have success this year as long as they don't have any particularly big injury problems yeah and then you've got to think they avoid that injuries again this year you can't have a three years in a row that's just rotten luck you'd hope so you'd hope so yeah draft well uh, maybe a, a, a couple of other pickups in free agency and see what, see where they are. Who but, are they going to draft, Ollie? I know that you're good at it. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been keyed in on the old draft as of yet. I, I will be doing that, uh, of course, when Clancy comes on for our draft specials. But I should think, I should think actually someone at wide receiver because um, given how uh, um, what's-his-face went down last year, Come on, Will. Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen, yeah. thank you. Given how Keenan Allen went down, it, it, compl- it, it pretty much uh, ruined their season. I think someone, uh, wide receiver, could be where they go first. But, you know, who knows? It's not a strong receiver draft. That's it. That's I problem. have a very clear guy who they should go draft on. in mind. Go, go on, on, then. Uh, he's a guy from Alabama, middle linebacker called Ruben Foster. I think he'll be available at the time. And he would just, I just be. You think of what Bobby Wagner and players like mm. that do in that scheme. I just, just think he'd be perfect as a central piece to build that defense around. Yeah, load that defense up. We've seen that uh, with Bosa there, and then, and then tying down Ingram. That that could be, especially in, um, especially in that uh, AFC where there are some going to be some seriously good defenses. It, yeah, I could see that happening too. Uh, Arizona. Uh, the situation in Arizona, with first of all placing the franchise tag on Chandler Jones, it was clear that they wanted to get a long-term deal done. Uh, Bruce Arians said as much to us, and this was a guy they weren't going to let go no matter what. <coughs> Excuse me. So it was quite an obvious one that this was one of the ones that was coming. $15 million he gets for the coming season. Again, I think that's the sort of money where when you see what other players are going to get in this window when the new with this new franchise cap with the new cap space actually isn't going to seem like a completely unreasonable sum of money 11 sacks four forced fumbles two for two recovered and 15 tackles for loss last season 25 and a half sacks over the past two years third most in the NFL over that span and it felt like he was growing into their scheme as the season went on as well i know that uh, sherry you're not as high on him as many other people are and the fact is is that you've got Four guys on the defensive side of the ball there who, if they could re-sign them all, they would. You've got Calais Campbell, just 29 years old, still got a few good years in him. Tony Jefferson, I think, is the really key one to get a long-term deal locked down with if you can. Otherwise, I think he's going to go for big money elsewhere. Kevin Minter, less so. But you think two of those are probably going to go, maybe three. Would there have been any consideration to giving Jefferson the tag over Jones? Without question. I'd I give Campbell the tag over Jones as well because he's a much better player. I mean, I Jones- see you said this before, and we didn't get to talk about this on the pod where we played Arians because I think you weren't on. But I, I understand that Calais Campbell is a a guy who has been brilliant on their defensive front, but actually last season it wasn't as good as Jones as no, far as I was concerned. I think Campbell I mean, had one of his Calais, worst years. Calais Campbell had maybe the best year of his career last year. That is absolute nonsense. Really? He was fantastic. Yeah, he was brilliant last year like he is coming off an unbelievable year he was I didn't I just didn't see it in the same way interior I defenders in the NFL I, I, Jones Jones last year had good numbers again because he played a load of just look at the schedule I mean Seahawks twice but he went against some terrible left tackles and I said this when he was at the Patriots and 
my frustration with Jones is built from watching him for four years at the Patriots, where in big games and against good left tackles, he completely went missing. He did exactly the same thing last year. And you, you look at him, he's so athletic, he's perfect. He's literally, if you're building a defensive end, it would look like Chandler Jones. But he just never becomes that guy. And I'd, I'd, I'd have much rather put the money into, into Campbell and Jefferson if I was the Cardinals. I think they've made a big mistake. I think, I'm sorry, I think, I think Sherry, the way did... they're building that defence, and I think the way that he developed over the season, he's younger, he can be coached up. I just think that if you've got to keep one of them, that pass rusher on the outside is more important to them than the internal pressure as far as they're concerned, as far as the scheme is concerned. It might not be ideal that you lose Campbell because he is a great player and I'm a big fan of his, but I, I just I think that you're not going to find another Chandler Jones easily at all. I think you can find someone who gives you internal pressure, stops the run, can do all that stuff that Claire Campbell does with more ease than you can find someone who's going to get to the quarterback. I think it's the opposite. I think the interior pass rushes is the hardest position to find. And they're also the absolute game wreckers as well. Like, you look at Michael Bennett in Seattle and guys like that who can who can do a bit on the edge but but will kick inside and, and cause Campbell's a great player. I mean I just think I just think with the franchise tag as well, like you, Campbell is, is is older, so yeah, you don't want to give him a long term deal, but just lock him up for for the season and and I mean it's such a defining season and I mean anybody who's got the latest gridiron will say that we've we've done a lot on the Cardinals in the latest issue because it is the last chance. I've got a feeling that it might be Arians as last year. It'll definitely be Palmer's and probably Fitzgerald's. To me, they needed to look at this year as, look, we can be a championship-caliber team again. How do we get there? And and I would have said the way to do that would have been to keep Campbell and, and Jefferson. And, and I just think Chandler Jones is going to get ridiculously overpaid in this, in this off-season. And he's just... He's a good but not great player. He's not he's not worth the money that he's about to get. Nick uh, Nick Pike from NFL UK has just emailed us, Ollie. I don't know if you've seen this email. No. Uh, they are doing uh, vert- they're filming vertical jumps outside the old Vic at Waterloo at lunchtime today to promote the combine and encouraging members of the public to go down and do a vertical jump. Uh, do you want to go down and see what we can get as an Ollie Hunter vertical? Yeah, let's do it. Um, <laughs> how high do you reckon I can vertical jump? I think that with your physique, because you're quite a uh, you're quite a springy fella, yeah. t- tightly wound. I think, despite the fact that I've got a good six or seven inches on you, you'd probably outjump me. I think I could outjump you. Yeah. Um, how tall is the is the ceiling in this in these rooms? Yeah. Let me see if I can. Hold do on. This. Let me just. Uh, probably about eight and a half foot. Okay. You should. You'll be able to touch that. No problem. I can touch it standing. Yeah, that was easy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I reckon I could do... Ollie, you need to be more on mic than this. Sorry, yeah, I reckon I could do... Sorry, I was looking up at the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, that was really useful. Ridi- which is ridiculous. Yeah, let's go and do it. That would be fun. Yeah, so we're going to do that after the show. Yep. Um, Tony Tony Jefferson is the other one, because I uh, Tony Jefferson getting him locked down, I think, is even more important, because coming back to scheme, they did quite a few kind of three safety looks last year, and he's a guy who can pretty much do it all and can be a guy who can sit over the centre of the field on his own um, I I just don't think they're going to be able to afford him because in terms of safeties there are one or two guys who would have been available Eric Berry's been locked up to a long term deal and I kind of think Tony Jefferson's going to be looking for the same sort of money that Eric Berry was getting at the Chiefs Yeah he'll be one of the guys who 
I, I guess some people won't have heard of who will end up getting one of the biggest deals. And maybe they would have heard of him if they read the latest issue of Gridiron where we have an exclusive interview with him and kind of just kind of tell you his story. It's a really interesting story. And yeah, he, he's a great player. He I'd, I'd be amazed if, if Arizona got him back. The market's going to be robust for him. I could see him actually having more offers from various teams than any other player on the market. It, it literally couldn't have worked out better for him as it is at the moment. And uh, you just, if you keep him there and you manage to bring either Marcus Cooper back or you go and get yourself a good corner in this corner heavy draft and you've suddenly got maintained that back four of Peterson, Matthew, Jefferson, and then whoever is the extra corner, uh, it uh, just would have been it just would have been great. But it doesn't look like it's going to happen now. The, the X factor, the one thing I'd say on Campbell is um, is. The, they did draft in Kimdiche, didn't the last year from Ole Miss? So you, you kind of look at that as, as a succession plan that they put in place, and, and you would hope from an Arizona perspective that that he proves them right, because that was a bit of a gamble based on, on his history. But he's a very talented guy, so maybe he steps in and becomes the, the Calais Campbell type. So and that's the only thing I would say as a counter to what I said on Jones. But I just. Like you said, the, with Jones, I'm so kind of passionate about it because I was so frustrated watching him with the Patriots that he never became the guy he should be. Uh, let's talk Carolina Panthers because despite the fact that they had a bit of a drop-off on the defensive side of the ball, a bit of a drop-off is an understatement, by the way. Last year, they're a team who are set up to pay their front seven and they are paying their front seven. Wes Horton's got a new two-year contract, Mario Addison, a new three-year contract, and the non-exclusive franchise tag has been applied to K1 short, 14.77 million. Now, just just get this. Uh, Star, Star Little Ailey been put on a long-term deal. What's his situation? I haven't he, actually... He's, he's, he's up next year. So is that because they had them on a long, longer term? Was he first round and uh, and K1 short second round, and that's why it's the longer deal, because they can flex the option? Genuinely, I should have researched this, but I just haven't. I think Star was first round, yeah. 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 So so if I remember back. Yeah, round. so he was 14th overall, and so... They definitely come out the yeah. first year. Yeah, you get the yeah. They came out the same year. They came one yeah. two in the same draft. But that's why I was just trying to figure it out because that's what kind of slightly stuns me about this. Beyond the fact that I get keeping your guys around, and Wes Horton and Mario Addison have both been, you know, uh, good servants to the club. They've both had decent numbers, if not phenomenal. And part of that front seven, which did have a lot to do with them getting all the way to the Super Bowl the season before, but. You put K1 short on the franchise tag in a season where you've had the money suddenly go up. And then next season, you've suddenly got K1 short, Starlo Talele. You've got to find a way to do long-term deals with both of them. And I, I think, think realistically, this is an admittance. Well, this is it. So I was going to say, so realistically, this is them admitting that one of you's a preference and it's probably K1 short and one of the two of them goes next year. Listen, both are very good players, but... I. You know, if you if you were to look back and say, right, these guys went one and two, who went one, which one went two, you would have gone, yeah, I'd probably K1 Short went number one. So you can see from that respect why they've done it. I just wonder, I think the, the organisation obviously believes that last year's defensive performance was an aberration because they're, they were going up in the right direction from 24, uh, 2014, 2015 as well, um, defensively. So I think they're just trying to hang on to the, onto that and uh, retain the majority of the same players t- to hopefully come back with a, 
a much stronger and a, a defence that we remember from two years ago. I, I would I would think the way that they looked at it heading into last year was that they knew that the defence would drop off a little bit because they had a really young secondary. And actually, those guys played a lot better as the season went along. And, and you, you would say that the, the James Bradbury's of the world very much end the next season as ascending players who, you, who they'll mm-hmm. expect a lot more Definitely. from. I mean, on the defensive tackles, they, um, they did draft Vernon Butler in the first round last year as well. So it's clear that, again, we've talked succession plans with Arizona, but it's clear that that is the succession plan in that they've already got Lutalele's replacement. I think they'll sign a long-term deal with Short this year. But, yeah, I think that defence will improve. And I think if the secondary continues in the vein that it ended the season, they could easily become a, a, a kind of top-tier defence again. I, I think the main thing for them is that they looked at it last year and thought, well, our defence will drop off, but our offence will carry us. And obviously the offence completely went to, to, to junk. So I think the main thing for them is getting their offence firing and the defence will be solid. Yeah, I think the offensive line is the area they really need to look at, but they've got the worst year to do that. Tackles in the draft are crap. Tackles in free agency are really crap. Uh, you know, there's in some internal guys in the draft, but even then you're not kind of banging the table and moving up in the draft or anything for anyone in particular. And uh, I think we've talked about Cam Newton before, but there has already been talk coming out from uh, from Riverboat that he wants to do what they've done with Big Ben in Pittsburgh and develop him into more a pocket passer. And actually, I was disappointed with what we saw from Cam Newton this season, considering I know there was, uh, we talked about the drop-off and there's been a drop-off, I think, on both sides of the ball for them but from season to season. But he really wasn't seeing the field it seemed as well this year and it was like it was almost like he got his better receivers back and started to over trust the receivers and that actually meant he made bad throws rather than <laughs> making better decisions when he had no one to throw to which is what it felt like he was doing the year before so a bit of a bizarre one but we'll um pass rusher is the other area coney ely I'm not sure exactly what they expect uh, him to be going forward. You know, very close to being a Super Bowl MVP if he'd been on a winning side and really didn't replicate that form last year. But Well, yeah, because we all said that this defence is going to be incredible and we're going to see Coney Ely take that Super Bowl form into the next year. A bit like, a bit like we did with... Um, Garrett from, from this year's Super Bowl... We expect Grady, him, Grady, Grady Jarrett, not yeah. Garrett, <laughs> Grady Jarrett. We expect him to 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 really push on and be a, a wrecking ball for Atlanta next year. But it could go the other way, and he could be a bit Coney Ely-ish, Ely-esque. Ely-esque, I like that. Uh, we've talked a bit about Alshon Jeffrey. They opted not to franchise tag him. I think that's absolutely the right decision. If he can't avoid four-game suspensions for smoking weed, then he doesn't deserve to be franchise tagged. He also uh, can't stay healthy. It's a, there's a lot of problems. There, there are a lot of problems there. Um, let's talk about the Chiefs, because the Chiefs have been making moves left, right and centre. Yes, Ollie Hunter, I love that. <laughs> So the Chiefs parted ways with their four-time Pro Bowl running back, Jamal Charles, and they basically went bye to one of their greatest players in franchise history, injury-riddled, and one of the best players to watch on the field. But they, they knew that there were areas they had to focus on. 
They knew that they needed to bring Eric Berry back long term. And boy, did they bring him back long term. $78 million six-year deal for the All-Pro. And they also brought back Lauren Duvernay-Tardif. I managed to nail that. Thank you. Uh, on a $41 million five-year extension. So they went offensive line in the half of our defence those are the things we need to keep and sentimentality goes out the window and the other one is going to be whether or not Dontari Poe sticks around they've declined the option to franchise tag him which a lot of people had discussed as being a possibility he'll go out and test the free agent market and well you want to talk about overpaid players Sherry I know Poe is a good run stuffer I know he's exciting because he throws touchdown passes and does all sorts of things like that and he's a great focus point but you feel like Don Terry Poe's going to go out there and get top top level defensive tackle money and I don't put him in that top in that top tier No, he's definitely not in the top tier I mean he could be he's another guy who's an athletic freak I mean funny that we talk about it this time of the year because he, he blew up the combine didn't he when uh, the Chiefs drafted him in the first round but he he's he's basically a guy who doesn't put huge effort in from down to down and that was a problem in college it's been a problem in the NFL and yeah he'll get overpaid but they absolutely shouldn't have brought him back I mean maybe he won't get as overpaid as the Canadian guard who you mentioned who they gave that ridiculous contract to but It'll be, uh, it might well be in the same stratosphere. Daverni Tardif. I don't even want to try and pronounce his oh. name. <laughs> Tardif. You're saying that guards shouldn't be paid $8 million I, a year? They should be if they're, if they're really, really good, and I'm not sure who he is. Do oh, you think Eric nasty. Berry's been overpaid? Have And, and, and uh, Will said sentimentality has gone out the window with Jamal Charles. Were they being a bit sentimental in paying him so much? No, I don't think so. I think if you'd have asked me a year and a half ago, I'd have said yes, because he was very much a box safety at that point. But he's really shown now that he can do both jobs. He can be a, a guy on an island at the at the back end and, and be your main free safety. He can, he can come down in the box and run support as well. I mean, that is hard to find. I can't really think of another guy in the league. I mean, he may not be as good a free safety as Earl Thomas, and he may not be as good a box safety as Cam Chancellor, but... He's a pretty good version of both of those in the same player. So I think for that scheme and the way it looks to confuse teams and get takeaways, that that guy is and that versatility is really important. So I think for them in particular, it's a, it's a good deal to get him back on that contract. And you get the sentimental thing of bringing back a guy who has given so much to the team, is a great leader in the locker room, had to come from that big bounce-back illness to, to focus on the storyline side of it. It, it. it makes your team look good and... We continue to love the Chiefs on the Gridiron Show. Absolutely. Uh, the what only other person... Jamal, what about Jamal sorry, Charles? I, I think he's already said he wants to go to a contender, and I think that, similar to AP earlier on, if you can get him on a one-year, two, three million dollar contract, it, it's an absolutely a risk worth taking for a, for a period to pack as a team like that, because he has shown in the past that he can be unbelievably good. I mean, you're talking about a guy who has, I think, the best yards per carry, carry average in NFL history for a guy who's run for a certain number of yards. And Yeah, yeah five, and, that, five and a half yards per carry. Look, we talked about Adrian Peterson not being a three-down back, but yeah, Jamal, Jamal Charles is, is a three-down yeah. back. He's great in pass protection. He's a great catching the ball out of the backfield. It's just how he gets back off that injury. And I'm I'm with you. If he's willing to if he's willing to go to a contender and, and take a pay cut and do that kind of one-year deal, then I'm all over that. If I'm one of those top teams, then give him the shot. I think, the I think the Patriots and the Packers are two that, and the Packers is an interesting one because they obviously don't don't sign free agents as a rule. But I think he'd be great for either of those teams, and I, I'm, 
and I, there's there's a real fit there. I mean, it, maybe maybe Denver as well. If he went in division, it, it could be yeah. interesting there. I think there's there's a handful of teams where he could make a lot of sense, and and the, I think they'll kick the tires on him definitely. Hundred percent, I'd love him in Green Bay. Uh, I mean, I I love watching him run. He's a fantastic player. My only fear is. We saw it with uh, uh, Arian Foster last year, a guy who has injuries, a guy who is injury prone, but a very, very good running back coming back for one year and, it, you know, it, it, it didn't work is, out for him. It, it can be a heavily incentive laden contract, can't it? It can be overall a $4 million contract, but if he gets injured in week one, you end up paying him 500 grand you know what I mean it, it, yeah, it, yeah. he's already said he wants to go to a contender so he's already put the leverage straight in the team's court which is fine because come on Ted Thompson what you want pull to your do. finger out man but you can you can structure a contract there to protect you against that and potentially get a guy who might be a top five running back still I just I don't feel like because we're doing while we're doing the AP comparison I just don't feel like AP's going to do that I don't feel like he said no, nothing not. he said nothing that suggests to me that he wants to go to a team that are going to contend He'll go to the team that pays him the most amount of money. That's what he gun do. for hire. Yeah, not a particularly good gun. It's yeah. a no. It's a no brainer for teams to to think of Charles as the better option to maybe for all those reasons. But again, it's only a handful Whoa. of teams that it's, it's a Twitter for. poll. That's a Twitter poll. If ever you saw one, would you t- your t- would you rather your team hired hired? AP? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're the hiring you're hired. Him. Signed AP or Jamal Charles. Get it out there, Sherry or Isaiah Crowell. He'll cost you $2.8 million and, and a second, uh, a second round, round draft pick. <laughs> there we go. Browns have placed... I, I actually, I like this move a lot because the Browns didn't have a huge number of bright spots, but Isaiah Crowell was good last year and that's behind a terrible team. So I have no problem with this whatsoever. $2.8 million is a reasonable amount of money to, uh, to pay a starting running back. He's only 24 years old, rushed for nearly 1,000 yards and scored seven touchdowns in a terrible football team. And yeah, really, after two years of threatening to become the guy for Cleveland he kind of became it last year so I'm I'm all in for that I'm fascinated about the Terrell Pryor situation with the Browns because there was even some talk about franchise tagging Terrell Pryor which obviously would have led to a vast huge contract and I get that he was a weapon in so many areas of the field and what would it be 15.6 million dollars he would have got on the franchise tag I mean even with the impressive season he had last year, surely you're not paying Terrell Pryor that sort of average money over a four or five year contract. I think I'd pay, I mean, you'd mentioned Kenny Stills as twelve million. At least with Terrell Pryor, you've seen seen it come to fruition. I know Kenny Stills is still really young, but he was awesome last year on a terrible team. And I mean, our one year of evidence of him as a wide receiver is pretty strong. So I wouldn't franchise tag him, but I, I think he's well within his rights to think he can get. 12, 13 million a year if that's what Kenny Stills is going to command. And hey, if you're the Browns and Terrell Pryor goes, guess what? Josh Gordon's going to apply for reinstatement <laughs> to the league. <sighs> you should, on a serious note, though, it would be great if Josh Gordon could come back. If he, could, he, if he, he could come back and be the best wide receiver to, in the NFL. If he came back and lived up to anywhere near the level of talent he's got, <sighs> great. So but insane. Just frustrating, to yeah. say the least. Yeah. Imagine if the Browns suddenly had... They went out and got themselves a good quarterback. They had Josh Gordon at his best, Terrell Pryor on the other side, invested some on the offensive line outside a left tackle and suddenly Corey, had a really... Corey Coleman. Suddenly had well. a, yeah, suddenly had yeah. a really decent offence out of nowhere. 
could happen. Yeah, it, 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 to be fair, you say out of nowhere, but if they, if they get a quarterback, they, they're pretty close to that already, aren't they? I don't think the offensive line's terrible once they get a couple of guys back. They've obviously got a, a probably still one of the best two, three left tackles in the league. So the Browns could have a really good offense fairly quickly if they can get a quarterback, which is obviously fairly important. Well, we all know they're going to go out and get Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Well, I still think I still think that he might be more available than the Adam Schefter report suggested. But yeah, Schefter is you... so he's so adamant that they're not that they're not trading him, and, and I do I do kind of believe that they just really like Garoppolo, and I really believe that. I think I think that part of them would think that it, they'll keep him for another year, and if Brady shows any sign of decline, then next year, then they'll start to look at it because I think they think they've got the next guy in the building, and that is hard to find. The, the the timing this is very difficult and the patriots are the ultimate team of letting somebody go before they've uh, peaked and, and gone to the other side and uh, but it's not just you know we're not talking about a a, a middle level wide receiver here we're talking about the best quarterback to ever play football and they've just it's almost like Jimmy Garoppolo came along a year too early. If you could have had him, so he had two more years left on his deal, and you you knew that that had that little bit of buffer room there to get away with it. But the fact of the matter is, is that there is a real situation where if they don't trade him this year, they're going to get peanuts for him next year, and he's going to, uh, you know, go and command big money somewhere because they decide to stick with Tom Brady. And then there isn't another guy, unless Jacoby Brissett ends up being amazing as well, but there isn't another guy there for the succession plan. It's kind of the worst timing for the Patriots, but I understand why you say to yourselves, look, we're not in a horrible situation. Tom Brady is the king of taking team-friendly deals on contracts. We're kind of set up in the right situation right now. We've just won a Super Bowl. Let's stick with the status quo and and take another year and then see where we are in 12 months' time. Yeah, and I mean, I think there's huge value in trading them because I think they would get the 12th pick. I think, you, I think you can get the 12th pick, the top of the third, and probably something else as well. Yeah, I do. And I think, the, I think I honestly believe that if they played it right, they might even be able to get the first overall pick. I honestly wouldn't be surprised. And do you know what? If I'm the Browns, first overall pick is a, is a real push because you've got a guy there in, in um, Miles that is looks like he's going to be a game-changing player. And people are talking about him in those kind of Von Miller-type terms. That is, you're, if you're talking about, I know every draft bu- could be a bust and everything else, and you never know what's going to happen, but I do understand when you've got the Jimmy Garoppolo only play two games versus that. That's one thing. If you can get him for the 12th overall pick and a couple of other picks later in the draft, when you've got the most picks in franchise history, you've got the most picks in the top 150 since the 70s. They've got eight in the top 150 picks. Don't be precious about it. Give them away. Get the guy in who has sat and learnt behind a great player, who has clearly got his head on right, who, yes, he only made two starts, but let's not forget in the game where he got injured, he led three long touchdown drives in that game before he went off injured. The talent is clearly there, and there's not another quarterback available. If the Browns can get him, just just do it. Just I do it. To, I spoke to a lot of Patriots about him at the Super Bowl, and they absolutely love him. Like... Genuinely, the offensive lineman, more so than I think even Brady, he is so tight with those guys. So it's fairly clear that he has that leadership that we were talking about earlier in the programme as well. So to me, it's a it's a no-brainer for Cleveland. But it's whether the Patriots, if they look at him and think he is the guy, they might think, we hang on to him this year, 
We can franchise tag him next year. Tom Brady will be 42 years old after that. There are no guarantees. They control his rights for the next two years. Then they'd have to keep cap money over which is why I'm interested to see what the Patriots do to franchise him next year at That's that million, is that is the problem you're franchising him at 20 plus million because it'll be more than that by then and paid more than Brady you've got Brady getting paid 13, 14 whatever his team friendly deal is I don't think Brady's that, that would, I mean I'm sure he would be bothered but I mean the flip side is he's probably going to own about 10% of the team when all said and done oh, I, I, yeah. I'm not bothered about the whole him being paid more than Brady thing and I don't think Brady is but it's just the fact that that is 20 plus percent of your cap space gone on two players who play the same position and can't be on the field at the same time and a guy who hasn't played much football i I still (laughs) don't get how everyone says that he's the 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 second coming i just don't ollie i I think if the periods do that that tells you that they 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 as experienced coaches who've been around him every day and most importantly been around the best quarterback of all time every day think he's the next guy and if they think he is he probably is yeah. I'm not having it, mate. I honestly, I, I, you put a, you put a player in a, in a long run of teams. Uh, sorry, a long run of games. We don't know how, it, how oh, he's going to react. I, I think paying twenty million on a franchise tag it would be massive, massively overpaid. We've seen it with Brock Osweiler. He's not that guy. People thought that he would be, you know, the Texans thought that Brock Osweiler would, would be their number one. Ridiculous. Uh, Jacoby, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, we still don't know. We don't know enough about him in game situations. And for, to give up the first over, overall pick would be ludicrous. Well, that Ludicrous! You don't know anything about any of the guys who you're giving up the first overall pick for in game situations. In the I'd, 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 I'd give the 12th away quite happily and a couple of other picks as well. If I'm Cleveland, I'd just do it. Right, there were two other bits of news this week that we're just going to fly over. Steelers sign uh, James Harrison to a two-year deal uh, that would keep him past his 40th birthday. From what we understand, it's... Uh, big money first year so it's more of a one year deal than it is really a two year deal but one of those ones with an option and he was on great the back last end. year he and was he was great last year he is old but... that price yeah <laughs> and um, the Jets uh, uh, rebuild continues they have to release their longest tenured player and Nick Mangold what a lovely man he was when he came over a couple of summers ago um the fact is I went over when I looked at this deal and I looked at what the Jets had done in recent drafts kind of forgetting that they've got three quarterbacks on their roster all of whom they drafted in the first three rounds in the last four years and they're all crap so uh, we're talking about a team that are in absolute disarray and really need to start from the ground up and they're they're the other team who were massively in play for first overall pick next year so what the Jets and the 49ers yeah, I think Cleveland will have a bit of a bounce back. Yeah, but I think they will be my two if I had to guess. And there will be another team that will drop off. And if it, drop yeah, out let's, as well. that's right. Let's the end Bears this podcast. As well. Yeah, let's end this podcast with if there's a surprise team to get the number one overall pick next year, Matt Sherry, who do you think it is? I knew you'd come to me first. <laughs> <laughs> it's because you hate it when I do. Uh, all right, Ollie Hunter, you go first. Uh, Brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> this is some great radio. Well, I'm going to say the Minnesota Vikings just because Whoa. of how things started to fall apart in that building a bit at the end of the year. I really like Mike Zimmer. I hope that doesn't happen, but there were some troubling signs at the end of last season. Joe, that, that that that's a good shout. That's a good shout. I'm going to go. Do you know what? I, I I'm not seeing the talent in the Eagles. I think the Eagles could really drop off. The, the Eagles have lost a lot of. Uh, we're potentially going to lose a lot in free agency, particularly exactly. on the defensive side of the lose ball. Lose a lot in free it's agency. Not a terrible shout. That was Carson, the team I was looking at when I was just flicking through last year's records. Carson Wentz, 
Uh, the Rams drops is off the, a lot. The other the Rams one, but they're not really a surprise. Yeah, if they, that, do, they are in there. I thought about the Rams, but they're not a surprise. I don't really like Doug Pedersen either, from what I've seen so far. But I do think the Eagles. He's also got a stupid name. So d- did really Doug Doug Pedersen and Chandler Jones? I don't know, spit in your water or something. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> right, that's it. Was a good fun hour. Did we get any questions on Twitter or anything? Uh, we if, did. I, I'm gonna have to show because I've got a meeting in four minutes. Fine. When you say a meeting, is it like a thing on Skype or something? Because yeah. Clearly, you're in Hartlepool in your pants. A meeting's a meeting, isn't it? Whether it's face-to-face or via telecommunications. Yeah. No, I would, I'd just call it a conference call, but there we go. All right, uh, mate. See you later. Oh, we'll we'll, do, we'll bye. do... Bye! Sarah, guys. Bye, bye. Mark Budden. Bit of fun. Man's aisle to the he, Cowboys. He, right, he put this bit of fun. I saw this. It's ludicrous. What, like... Mansile's done. He'll yeah. never play football again. Mark, you lost us in Mansile. Uh, Adam... Uh, which free agent out there is most likely to be on the scrap heap come week four of the season? Uh, I, well, the problem is there's a lot of people who are free agents who you, you could kind of pick anyone on the list and go, like, anyone outside of the current... So, like, NFL.com and, and um, Greg and those guys do, like, a top 101. You could say anyone outside of the top 25, 30 could theoretically be outside of there. You know, you're not talking about... TJ Lang, Nick Perry, people like that. You talk. There's so many crap free agents that it could be almost anyone. So let me have a look at the list and see if there's a shock one that I can think of. But there's there's not a one that stands out particularly. Yeah, me either. Um, I think someone will pay Jay Cutler. I think or get him in as a backup for the for a last year. Or I, he I retires. think he'll be start, I think Jay Cutler will be starting in the league next season. Starting in the league next yeah. season. I think somebody's going to be silly about um, it. I'm just looking at the top... T- at the Dwight top kind Freeney, of 25, maybe? 30, there's no one who screams out to me. I think, I think bring Dwight Freeney back. I think yeah. he did a really good job last year. I think bring him back to Atlanta and, and let him keep being a situational pass rusher. Um, someone like Ricky Wagner, who's a, who's a solid right tackle and might come in and be a no, load I'm of not crap. Have, I'm not having that. I uh, think there's, tackles are in so much demand. Kenny Britt? I'll tell you... Yeah, this is tough because you can see them getting picked up. Like, for instance, Robert Michael Woods. Floyd. Michael Floyd definitely could be on the there scrap heap. There you go. Because he he's, uh, he's a shame of a human being. He is Gridiron's official, will be on the scrap sheet by <laughs> uh, the scrap heap by shame. 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 I haven't got it up. Shame. Charles Johnson's another one, just because he's old. Yeah, anyway. Bruce, Bruce Arians loves Charles Johnson. He's a great player, but there we go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and finally, there was one more. Um, I moved off of it. Du, 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 du. Can you pronounce Yukon Safety? Ah, oh, yes, I can. I can pronounce this guy's name. Uh, the reason I say this is because I was listening to a draft podcast. I think I was listening to First Take the other day. Peter King didn't it's, try on his pod this Obi, week. It's Obi, isn't it? Obi. Melifonwu. It's not that hard. Melifonwu. Obi Melifonwu. Melifonwu. We are more used to Nigerian names given our closeness with Nigeria in the Commonwealth. So, I can understand... Yeah, I remember look, thinking, oh, this is going to be a cracker, and then looking up at it, it was like, oh, Melifonwu. Bottled it, King. You bottled it, mate. <laughs> uh, otherwise, go and register for the trip. It's only £100. It's a refundable deposit. It's going to be brilliant. And you get to hang out with me and Ollie. For, uh, maybe that's not the selling point. And you get to watch loads of NFL games, college games, high school games. We'll go to a basketball game. We'll go out drinking. We'll go out not drinking if you're not a drinker and go out and do fun things. We'll Eating, eat lots of food. Yeah. It'll be loads gumbo. of fun. We'll, we'll eat gumbo. Gumbo's, gumbo's that's the That's worth point the price me. alone. Yeah. So otherwise, 
Thank you very much for listening. Touchdowntrips.com, at Gridiron on Twitter. Love you always. Ollie, any final thoughts? Let's go and do the vertical jump. This has been The Gridiron Show.